season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Are you ready to chase your dreams? You've come to the right place. This Indiana baseball series is sponsored by Brain Fuel. So before digging into the product that helps me chase my dreams, let me tell you about my experience with Brain Fuel. So I tried Brain Fuel for the first time in March during baseball season after hearing a bunch of buzz here on the Indiana University campus. Instantly fell in love. Every time I get the opportunity, I am pushing the product on to my friends, having them drink a couple sips of mine. They're going out buying it as well. They're loving it as well. Um, no, I have a bottle. I probably have a case every week of Brain Fuel. Uh, probably a bottle every time before I go work out. Probably have half a bottle, quarter of a bottle, mid-podcast. I really believe it kind of helps me get motivated, opens up my brain, just makes me think wider, uh, kind of focus at the task at hand. So digging a little bit deeper into the product of Brain Fuel. So it was actually developed during COVID by a team of brain surgeons. They wanted to create some sort of product, some sort of drink that would just create all day focus. Well, after weeks and after months of testing out different ingredients, they came up with the ingredients Brain Fuel currently has. Um, rapidly grew right after that, right after creation, kind of sp- spread across the Midwest to where now it's in Indiana, Tennessee, Illinois, multiple states across the Midwest. It's definitely a product I would recommend. Like I said, I recommend it to all my friends, recommend it to you guys as well. Um, if you want some product, want to try it out, go to brainfuel.com. Or even if you are in Bloomington, they are in three stores right now. They're going to be in more stores here at the end of the month. But those three stores they're currently in is the Marathon on 10th, as well as the Convenient Mart by Evolve and Indiana Grab and Go. But with that being said, all the love I have for Brain Fuel, let's move on to the episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today, to start the Hoosier baseball series, we have Fort Wayne native and current freshman pitcher at Indiana baseball. We got Braden Reisdorf on the podcast. Braden, super pumped to get you on the show. Obviously, I know we've talked about this a lot, you know, this past, you know, couple months about getting on the podcast. I'm glad it is finally here. Pumped to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Hey, of course. All right, man. So before we dig into your baseball career, I have one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Braden Reisdorf? So I'm a, I'm a freshman pitcher at IU, and I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I like fishing, so that's probably the main thing about me other than pitching and lifting. Like to lift. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at your TikTok, I mean, everyone is pretty. It's pretty evident that you're a big, uh, like guy who likes to lift. But uh, let's let's kind of dig straight into the recruiting process. So you know, you kind of had a recruiting process that didn't land you directly at IU. You landed at Parkland first. Uh, so just take us through that whole recruiting process for you, like kind of when it got started, uh, when you started getting noticed by you know some of those junior colleges, some of the Division One teams. You know, just take us through that whole thing. So it started really slow for me. Basically, I think after freshman year, going into my sophomore, like sophomore year was kind of when I started throwing a little bit harder, doing a little bit better. But I mean, I was kind of just a big kid that threw hard. I wasn't really like anything crazy by any means. And then sophomore summer, I started talking to a couple schools, but nothing crazy, maybe some small like local NAIA type stuff. And then going into junior year is when I started playing for five star. And when I played for five star, that's when I they kind of put me on the more 
actual recruiting scene. And I talked to maybe some small mid-majors. I talked to Ball State. It was like one of the first schools I talked to. But I wasn't too interested in it. And then I actually reached out to Parkland myself and talked to them. And once I got connected with them, because I was always big on JUCO. My brother went JUCO and just seemed like a good option. So I talked to Parkland and kind of just jumped on it, wanted to go there. So I committed there my junior year. And then it wasn't until senior or I think it was junior summer. It's kind of when stuff started picking up a little bit, started throwing a little bit harder. So kind of stuff just kind of blew up in my face and just stuff I wasn't really expecting. So recruitment kind of got crazy again. And I called with Goble, made sure we were on the same page. He understood. And that's when I started looking at other schools. And that's when IU came into the picture. Okay. So, so Goble, I take it, is the Parkland head coach? He was the head coach. He actually left the a little bit after I did, actually. Ended up taking a minor league job. Okay. So you said that obviously JUCO is a good uh, is a good uh, option for you know play for you know guys who are going to college who maybe aren't going power five at that point. Um. So like, what was your reasoning for reaching out to Parkland specifically? Were you reaching out to a bunch of junior colleges, or was Parkland one of those main schools that you reached out to? Parkland was one of the main ones actually. It was mainly due to like pitching development. Because before then, I didn't have, like, a pitching coach except my, like, dad, maybe. All I really did was just lift at the YMCA and play catch here and there. I, I didn't know anything about pitching. So, I saw that they were really big into pitching development. Goble was really good at that stuff. So, I mean, I was like, go Juco a couple years, ball out there, and see what happens. Yeah. So, you committed to Parkland your junior year, but you said, like, the recruiting process really ramped up that summer between your junior and senior uh, summer. Uh, so when you were already committed to Parkland, like was the whole recruiting process still kind of going on for you in terms of, you know, other schools reaching out or how exactly did that work? So schools would reach out, but I just really wouldn't entertain anything. I mean, it would just be some more like mid-major type stuff. And then all of a sudden when I went to Lake Point, I think I hit 94 my first time at Lake Point, which I mean, was like a two mile per hour PR. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And that's when like other schools started reaching out and started picking up a little bit. Okay. So for, for you in your mind, what do you think the benefits are of going to a school like Parkland rather than a mid-major? Cause I know you said you were talking to mid-majors like Ball State, um, a couple other schools you mentioned as well. Uh, but what do you think the benefits are of going to JUCO rather than a mid-major school like that? So I think there's definitely benefits to both, but I think my reasoning for JUCO is just, it's a little less school, obviously. It's not, you're not going to go there and get a degree most likely, but you're just going there and just, grinding out like trying to get big in the weight room if that's one of your goals or just really getting down to like the fine details of just getting better and you kind of just I kind of like that grind aspect of it too it just builds character a little bit yeah so but that summer in between your junior senior summer uh but when you know schools other schools started reaching out to you um where was IU in this mix who are some other schools that were reaching out take us through that like summer leading into uh, senior year and kind of when the thoughts started coming into your head about potentially, you know, reopening that commitment and trying to maybe potentially going somewhere else. Right. So, I mean, throughout the summer when I was hitting some fours and some fives, and I still was just kind of like, I'm just going to go Parkland. I'm going to go Juco. We're going to ball out there and go from there. But then I think it was East coast pro. So I went to the East coast pro tryout and I wasn't expecting too much. And I think that's, I think it was the first time I ever hit 95 was there. And one of the guys told me, and that's when a Red Scout team invited me. So this was, it was like a big, big day for me. That was for sure. And then I went to East Coast Pro and that was, I mean, one of the craziest events I've ever done. I mean, I was playing with guys that were all draft picks. So 
I go there and I was at, up to 96 and my slider was look, looking really good that day. So it was just crazy day for me. And that's when like a good amount of school started calling me. And that's when I, I'm like, all right, we're going to reopen this thing, kind of think about all other options and go from there. Okay. So when you did reopen that commitment, like what were some key things that you were looking for, you know, within a school, within a coaching staff, what was it overall that just put IU on top compared to the other schools that were reaching out during that, you know, reopening of your commitment? I mean, I would definitely say Glant was one of the biggest things because when you talk to some of these pitching coaches and you like ask them what they do development wise, some of them are just kind of like basic and like, well, I mean, we've had so-and-so come from here, which makes sense. Some like it makes sense for schools. But like when I asked Glant that, I mean, the man pulled up a like huge PowerPoint of everything like they do, like what they do down to every fine detail. And it's just blew me away. And I like, I knew that was what I wanted for my development. And also the family feel of the coaches. I mean, they just make you feel like you're at home and they're just a big family. So, yeah. So you bring up Coach Glant. And obviously, that was something I really wanted to dig into today. Uh, before we dig into that, like, so what is the relationship you have with, you know, Coach Mercer, Coach Glant, um, Sagerman, uh, Virtue, all the different coaches there on the IU coaching staff? You know, what is some of those relationships you have and how have they evolved um, now that, you know, you, you were committed, you know, last fall, now that you've gone through the whole fall ball? Uh, how has those relationships evolved over time? I mean, they've definitely built up. I mean, like ever since day one when they would call, I mean, they just made me feel like I was just a part of the family already and nothing's changed like that. It's not just a recruiting ploy. I mean, that's how we really feel down at IU. So, I mean, I love every single one of those guys and we all just strive to make each other better and that's the best part. Okay, so digging into Glant, obviously you said he kind of blew you away when it comes to, you know, the whole presentation, uh, when it comes to the whole recruiting process of, you know, actually you know, entertaining some of the questions you had. And you aren't the only guy who said that. I mean, like I said, I know Braden Thomas really well, too. He's kind of said the same thing when it came to Glant and what all Glant talks about. Um, so take us through kind of what was that present? You know, you said the presentation kind of went through everything that they do. So what, like, what exactly did that presentation kind of look like? So a lot of it was like arm care and like their plans, what they do between ramping up, going back down. And then a lot of it was like the metric side of things. Cause I, I didn't know anything about the metric world of baseball and just how you can actually use those to help you out a little bit and what each one, each metric actually means. So he just, I mean, he digs into a little bit of everything and I mean, it's everything that we do now. So. So what is the, what is the most valuable information you've learned from Glant so far you know actually learning under him every day for about you know a full semester all fall like what are some of the most valuable things you've learned from him I mean honestly I would I'd probably go with the run game controlling the run game because I mean coming from northern Indiana there wasn't a whole lot of run game when I pitch hopefully if I was doing good at least not walking anyone but even then didn't really know how to hold runners you just kind of keep pitching and I mean, he's dug into everything I need to do from the run game when I'm runners on first, runner on second. So that's that's helped me out a lot. And that's still stuff I'm working on now. Yeah. So let's kind of dig through this fall here, this in Bloomington this past fall. Um, just take us through, you know, what the fall ball looked like when it came to, you know, the day to day, uh, some things that you were focusing on. Uh, just what did, what did that fall ball look like there in Bloomington? So I ramped up a little bit later. So I missed out on a couple like live ABs type stuff. I didn't I've only thrown live at bats twice now. And a lot of the stuff I've been working on now is just the slide step, working a lot of that, run, holding runners, trying to keep my run game better, learn a pickoff move maybe here and there. Just kind of work on that stuff and definitely throwing to lefties has been something that 
we I've been working on every pin I can. So, yeah. So during those live at bass, what was that like? What was that biggest, uh, I guess, transition going from, you know, high school travel baseball to now? I mean, now you're facing college talent, Big Ten talent, where, I mean, the IU lineup last year was absolutely stacked. We're bringing everybody back almost. Uh, so what did those live at bats look like? Honestly, I, I love it. Competition's fun. You get to, I mean, you get to throw some of the best guys in the country when it comes to hitting. So there's nothing more fun than doing that. Plus the competition is just, I feel like I play better with better competition. So, I, I mean, it brings the best out of me. So I like it. Yeah. So you talk about metrics there. I know, you know, we we're, were taking that car ride back to Fort Wayne, you know, a couple months ago, you were talking about, you know, all the, I guess, metrics that coach Glant was talking about when it came to, I believe it was the rap Soto and different stuff like that. Um, so when it comes to all that technology within the game, like what are some things that you've learned and some things, you know, that you're trying to put an emphasis on or focus on here, these upcoming months when it comes to, you know, the whole technology and like learning from all those metrics. So, I mean, I don't dig too deep into it with my stuff right now, just because I'm still kind of getting the comfort back of being on the mound. But one of the things that I kind of looked at was, so like my sinker and four seam, if I want to throw both, I mean, I need them to be completely different profiles. So you want your four seam to have like more induced vertical break and then less horizontal. And then you want the opposite to be for your sinker. And you kind of want those numbers as far separate as you can get, because that means it's just going to be moving better and be look a lot harder to the to the batter yeah so now that you've gone through a full fall ball there at indiana obviously you, you weren't there at the beginning really when it came to actually pitching off the mound uh but what was some of the biggest surprises to you when it came to you know maybe the coaching staff maybe the campus or maybe just you know college baseball in general what were some of those biggest surprises that, that kind of hit you this past fall i'd say the weight room i mean i'm a strong kid but you see some of those other guys and you're like Man, there's some big dudes in this weight room. So that's definitely one of the most fun things, too, honestly, because you're seeing someone else squat 500 pounds in their back really makes you want to push yourself and try to do the same. Yeah. So what do some of those workouts look like? I mean, I see Coach Virtue all the time posting of you guys, you know, doing some just funky workouts. Obviously not your typical, you know, bench press, regular <laughs> squat or whatever and that you would probably do in high school or at the YMCA. Uh, so what do some of those workouts yeah, like definitely Coach Virtue does? Yeah, it's definitely not the same like what I used to do when I had no clue what I was doing, just doing some powerlifting type stuff. So yeah, we do we focus a lot, especially as pitchers, on like explosiveness, obviously. <coughs> and then another big thing we do is the single leg stability, which I did not do at all before coming to IU, and it really it definitely really helps you. One of the things we do like reverse lunge squat, and I mean I don't think I've done a lift harder than that honestly in my life. I definitely, definitely isn't as fun as back squat, but I mean, it helps out a lot. So, yeah. So, you know, after you guys went through a whole fall of working out with coach Virtue, you know, to kind of end off the fall as a team, you guys do a little thing called Ironman week. You know, I talked to Carter about it. I've talked to you about it off there a little bit as well, but kind of dig into it. Tell the listeners what Ironman, what Ironman week is and what that was like for you and your team. I mean, it's a mental battle, really what it comes down to. I mean, physically, it's going to push you. You're going to see your limits, but it all comes down to the mental side of it, I think. You just got to push yourself. And unluckily, I got pretty sick on one of the days and struggled through the sleds. But, you know, we went out there. We pushed the sled as far as we could anyway. So, it was, honestly, it was fun. I A lot of people make it sound a little scary at first, but I don't know. I, it was one of the more fun things I think we did. 
Yeah. So with, with you going through, you know, being there all fall, you know, being with the team day to day, who have been some of the players that, you know, you've bonded with the most when it comes to, you know, maybe even uh, hanging out off the field. Um, Who are some <laughs> of those guys that, you know, you like hanging out with that are on, you know, your team this year? So me and Connor, we hang out a little bit. We also play Warzone together. So, you know, we're kind of chilling at the dorms, doing that kind of stuff. Uh, basically, my whole dorm floor, me, Evan, Cerny, and Connor, we're always doing stuff since, you know, we live together right now. Uh, close with basically the whole pitching staff at this rate. I mean, we're always with each other every day doing our PO things of just doing bands and all the boring stuff from the outside, the position players would probably say. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think there's a person I haven't talked to or close with now. So Yeah. So you talk about bands there. So what does that arm care routine kind of look like? in the fall, and then you can kind of transition that into, you know, even in the off season right now, uh, that now it is winter break as you guys are starting to ramp up towards the spring. Uh, just take us through kind of what that arm care routines are um, and, you know, what Coach Glant kind of preaches when it comes to that. Yeah, so we actually use cross-symmetry bands now instead of J-bands. So the really the difference is, is you, the bands aren't, like, all both together in the same spot. They're on, like, opposite sides, and you cross them. So it just gets a little more, a lot more back and shoulder activation compared to when I would just do J bands and just kind of move them around, do whatever I could, whatever felt good. But yeah, honestly, I, I mean, I like them a lot. Once you get used to them, you kind of get in that routine. It's just, you do them every day. So it helps build up the shoulders and scaps a little bit, which is nice because that's where I was pretty weak at, I'd say before. <laughs> and then right. we do um, some other stuff, like some, a lot of shoulder working on our, making sure both sides of our shoulder are strong, the internal and external rotations and all that. Okay. So with it, you know, being, you know, almost that new year heading into January, I mean, as soon as you guys go back, I believe you guys start practices right away. Um, So what is the outlook, you know, coming up on this 2023 spring season, your freshman year, uh, kind of what are you guys expecting as a team? And then kind of what are some goals or what are you even expecting from yourself uh, when it comes to this freshman season? I mean, as a team, I, I expect us to go to Omaha. So, I mean, with our offense, how it was last year and bringing everyone back this year, it's going to be electric. We definitely got the arms to play some really good baseball this year, too. So, I mean, I mean the sky's the limit for us, I think. Okay. And personally, hope I can help the team in any way possible, whatever that situation or role is. I just hope I do the best I can at it. Okay. And then after this spring, um, what are your thoughts on summer ball, potentially this upcoming summer? Like, what are you thinking when it comes to that? Are you waiting to see how many innings you get this spring? Like, where's your mindset on that? And kind of what's the plan heading into the summer of 2023? Uh, so I think it would probably depend on the amount of innings I get this, this spring, but if I do play summer ball, I'll probably go up in the Northwoods league and go up to Minnesota a little bit. So, you know, before you went to Bloomington there at IU, um, you played for five-star national, played at East Noble High School. You were a three-time all-conference, absolutely dominated that Northeast Indiana area. Uh, but before we dig into that, you were also an MLB draft prospect. I believe someone had you ranked at like number 47 or, or it was some number like that on some type of ranking I saw. Um, so just take us through that, you know, that summer between your senior year of high school and freshman year. So I just, you know, just six, seven months ago, take us through that when it came to the MLB draft process, you know, talking to teams. Uh, when did that whole process kind of get started for you? Um, and just take us through that a little bit. So I would say it started after East Coast. Well, it'd be no, it'd be before East Coast Pro. It started at the tryout, the East Coast Pro tryout, because that's when I started having advisors reach out to me. And I mean, I didn't know about this whole world of advisors, agents, and all that stuff. I mean, I was just trying to go play college ball somewhere. I didn't didn't even think about the draft. 
And after East Coast Pro, I mean, you hear some of these things. Some guys will say, hey, like, if you do this, I mean, you have a legitimate chance. And then the in-home meeting started that winter. And that, that was something, I mean, it was a pleasure to have those guys. I mean, you got, like, giant scouts coming over, the area scouts coming over, talking with you, doing meetings. And, I mean, it's a, it's a great thing to do. I mean, it's awesome. You get to talk to these guys hand in hand. And, I mean, these guys know a lot of baseball, too. So, but, I mean, I didn't think much of it. And then it just kind of, like, all blew up all at once. And I was like, I mean, you kind of just got to take it in and be like, all right, well, go day by day. I mean, I didn't expect this in the first place. So, let's, let's just roll with it. And then throughout the high school season, I was ramping up. And then once I got into high school season, I don't know, there's probably like 20 scouts first game. And I'm like, all right, I mean, we better ball out today. So, I mean, kind of, I mean, I didn't do as well as I'd like to in the high school season. I'd say too many walks is definitely kind of what killed me. So building on that, I didn't really improve my position too much. So, I mean, and plus, I mean, after talking with IU, and talking with those guys and I also want to get a degree in exercise science so I can maybe become a trainer one day because I love love doing stuff like that I was like I mean there's really nothing better than going to IU anyways yeah I mean as a a current IU student I mean I kind of have to say the same Uh, uh, (laughs) uh, but no so uh, when you you know get game one there last spring you said there's 20 some MLB scouts there like, what do you do? What's your mindset of, you know, just trying to make, you know, a tunnel vision? All right, I'm going to the mound. I'm looking at the catcher, looking at the batter. You know, I'm striking this guy out, sitting him down. Uh, how do you just keep that same mindset when there are 20 MLB scouts there just, you know, 20 feet away from you watching you pitch? I mean, I really don't think too much of it. I, I'm just I'm just grateful to even have the opportunity to pitch in front of these guys. It's, I mean, it's something that as a kid you dream of, obviously, and you're like, man, I want to go play in the MLB one day. And that's still the dream today, but it's, you just got to go out there and have fun. At the end of the day, it's a baseball game. You're just having fun. You get to play a game for a living at some point in your life. That'd be the, be the way to do it. But so I just go out there and play the game the best I can. Yeah. So you talk about some of those in-home meetings you had, you know, with the San Francisco Giants scouts or just some area scouts here in the Midwest. Uh, What did some of those in-house meetings look like? And for the most part, did teams kind of have the same strategy of going about the in-home meetings or were there some teams that, you know, maybe did something that stood out? Yeah. So most of them were just kind of like questionnaire type questions, just getting information, just kind of picking your brain about baseball itself. I mean, the one of like the, one of the Astros guys, I mean, remember he, he dug deep and was like, got recording of some of my games. It's like, Hey, what was going through your head here? What made you throw this? So he was definitely the most in-depth when it came to that kind of stuff. But usually they just ask you some questions, write some things down. And some of them talk a lot more than others. Some of them will talk about anything. Those are the most fun ones. Those ones go by a lot easier. So, yeah. So when you were going through the whole process, you know, going from, you know, East Coast Pro all the way up until until the MLB draft when, you know, you still weren't sure if you're getting drafted or not. Were, did you, were you building like, you know, solid relationships with some of these scouts or for the most part was a lot of different guys just kind of throwing information at you? Uh, I'd say it was more just kind of information being thrown around. Plus, once once I got an advisor, I mean, they kind of he takes care of a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, I was just kind of keep my head down, just doing my thing, keep working out, keep training, just keep getting better every day. 
Yeah. So take us through the end of your spring season there at East Noble, all the way up to, you know, where this, when the summer hit and the MLB draft was in July and it just keeps creeping closer and closer. Uh, like what's your mindset there? And at that point, like, were you thinking you were getting drafted? Just take us through, you know, that whole, you know, two, two and a half month process. So after the high school season, I really wasn't too sure because it wasn't a great season by any means. It was, it was a good season, but I just, I expect a lot more out of myself for the most part. And then we got into summer and we had summer school for IU. We get to go on campus in the summer, do some classes and just get in the weight room. So really I just didn't think much at all. I was just getting through the summer workouts, having fun, meeting some of the IU guys, just kind of getting adjusted to school. And I think it was like a week before the draft, like my advisor texted me, we we're talking about stuff. I was like, all right. I mean, it is still a thing, but the same right. I was in school was happy with being in school and I didn't really think it, it would take something pretty crazy to take me away from that. And so I just stuck with IU and honestly, it's the best choice I've ever made. All right. So, you know, during the MLB draft, like, were you watching at that point or at that, at that moment were you kind of, you know, just doing your own thing, kind of not thinking about it or were, you know, consistently on the phone with your, uh, your draft advisor, like take us through, you know, actually the MLB draft and kind of what was going on there. Yeah, honestly, I, didn't think a thing of it it would have been like day three and I was just playing MLB the show so wasn't worried too much about it at the time okay so you, you know you're in Bloomington there a little early I believe IU does that every summer with all the freshmen come in do a little bit of summer school so what was that like you know being one of the only people on campus you know you're building relationships with some of your other freshman teammates some of your roommates possibly you know Cerny uh, Foley, Whitaker, or Whitaker, which I, I like I said, I, I I can't remember which one's which when it comes to those two. Uh, but uh, just take us through what summer ball, uh, sorry, so what's the summer school session was kind of like there at Bloomington and what that was like being the only people on campus. Oh, it, it was awesome, man. I mean, it was really weird considering it's a place that has like 40,000 kids in one area. But when you're just the only guys on campus with along with some other teams, it's just it's super nice because you get to just kind of go about your thing. And then you really bond with your teammates, kind of get to know everyone. Some of the guys that stayed for the summer, like better upperclassmen, they'll stay back, get to meet those guys, kind of build those relationships early. Okay. So you did say that you had a draft advisor heading into, you know, the 2021 MLB draft who kind of helped you through the process. Um, from talking talking to other agents, your guy seems like he's one of the better, younger, up, upcoming, you know, draft advisors, agents in the game. Uh, so just take us through, you know, the advisor selection process and what it was that, you know, had you choose the guy that you did. Right. So I talked to maybe three, four guys. And I, I, I didn't, it didn't take me too long to choose the guy. And after talking with Ben, the guy that I decided to go with, I mean, he just seemed like the most personable guy out of the rest of the ones I talked to. The rest of them, you just kind of just feel like they just got like a purpose, a job. And that's really all they kind of worried about where talking with Ben, I feel like it was more like he was really in it for me and wanted the best interest for me. And also he was, does some pitching type stuff too. And I mean, I needed some form of pitching like advice. So at the time, so that kind of helped out a little bit too. Yeah. So besides Ben being you know, more of a personable side of things, uh, what were some of the key things that you were looking for going through the process when you knew you were judging between, you know, agent one, agent two, agent three, uh, just what were some of those key things you were looking for? I just really wanted a guy that was actually in it for me and like understood my side of things. And also someone who maybe wasn't overly involved in the whole process. Someone that like really helped out when you had a question, you know, like, cause I mean, a lot of that stuff was very new to me. I mean, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that was going on. I didn't know what half of it meant. So 
someone who would help out, but I didn't really want someone that was like kind of involved in every single little detail of what I did. So that was kind of one of the big things that I really thought about. Okay. And what were some of the main ways that these guys were reaching out? Was it, you know, in person, you know, potentially during East coast pro uh, was it, you know, through text, through email, uh, phone calls, like what was the main way a lot of these guys were reaching out to you? Yeah. You just kind of get like a random text and they'll be say like, Hey, this is so-and-so from whatever agency or if they're by themselves kind of thing. I mean, your phone numbers are out there. If you're, if you're an athlete, your phone numbers on every little piece of paper, scouting report thing. So they find a way to contact you. Yeah. So going through the process, you know, when a, these agents or draft advisors, you know, before you go pro is what they're called. Um, right. When they were going through the recruiting process, did all these guys kind of have the same strategy when it came to recruiting you? Or for the most part, did they, a lot of agents kind of differ when it came to that? Uh, yeah, a lot of them just kind of call after, like, if, once you message them back, they'll call. You kind of talk with them a little bit. Then after calling with him, like, I wanted to meet in person, obviously, and have the family meet him just so we, we could all get a feel and see, like, if he was the right guy for us. And we went out to dinner and had food, and he was a great guy. It was a great time. So I was like, I mean, this is definitely the guy. For us, I would say. Okay. You know, so during one of those information, like I guess information meetings or, you know, just getting to know each other meetings with the whole family there. Uh, when it comes to a meeting like that, like is, is a lot of baseball talked about or is it a lot, you know, personal side of things? Uh, like what does a meeting like that generally look like? So for us, it was kind of just getting to know them on like a personal level too. Cause I mean, they're basically getting brought into the family at that point. Cause I mean, we're all going to make some big decisions together and other than that, I mean, he would talk a lot. We'd get a lot of baseball talk done because, I mean, we were asking tons of questions because we didn't know, like, what a lot of this stuff meant, what we were doing. So just kind of asking, like, what really does he do? What can he do? And all that stuff. Okay. So, you like I, like I mentioned before, you also got the chance to play for Five Star National there for, I believe mm -hmm. it was two summers. I may be wrong. Uh, but just take us through your whole travel ball career, whether that's, you know, playing for the Sluggers for a little bit, you know, going to five-star national. Take us through that travel ball um, experience you had. So Sluggers was like the first travel team that I actually played for that was like, you know, going to Grand Park and playing some legitimate teams. And then I played up in age group there. And I was, I was still kind of, you know, just the big kid that threw hard. But, I mean, I maybe had like this really crappy thing I called a curveball. It wasn't good, but, you know, we threw it in there just for a different look here and there. So, I mean, I was just kind of winging everything then. And I started pitching towards the back end of the season. I did I did fairly well for myself, especially playing up. And then after that is when I started getting basically a whole nother recruiting phase of travel teams this time. So, I mean, they recruit just like colleges, man. They'll just text you, call you. So, I was going through that and basically came down to Bulls. And it came down to Five Star. And then it came down to Canes Midwest. And then – after talking with all of them and I met with coach Cowan and then coach kid of five star. And I felt like the best decision for me, another one of those family type feels I would say. And then I played for them, played in the fall through a little harder. And during the summer, we all balled out together and had some fun. So, yeah. So I, obviously you're going through the recruiting process of the bold Midwest Canes, five-star national. I mean, those are the three teams here in the Midwest that, you know, are always getting those top Indiana guys. Um, so what, <laughs> Obviously, you talk about how the whole family aspect was the reason you chose Five Star National. Uh, but what, like, what was the relationship you had with the coach or with the director of Five Star National? Um, and then how did that kind of evolve? You know, playing for them throughout the summer. Right. So one of the coaches, I think he was the head coach. Uh, I feel like we had like three head coaches. So, but one of the coaches, uh, he actually played uh, JUCO ball with my brother at Vincennes. So that's kind of like how 
they got their foot in the door and how I knew them. And then Coach Coach Cowan, which we called Panda, was just, I mean, best guy you could be around. Loved the sport. Always drinking a Diet Coke. Weird guy, but we loved him. And, I mean, he definitely brought the best out of us on the baseball field. Yeah. So if you can go through and kind of just, I mean, you've played travel ball there for a couple of years. Um, if you can kind of go through and go dig through, you know, some of your favorite travel ball memories, you know, whether that's, you know, going to Vanderbilt doing something or you're going to Grand uh, Grand Park or, you know, Lake Point, uh, whatever it happens to be. Like, what are some of those favorite travel memories that you have, you know, playing for the Sluggers, playing for Five Star National? Uh, just what would be those memories? I mean, it's got to be the hotels. I mean, when you got you know, six kids in a hotel room all talking, hanging out. It's it's always fun, always funny. You're always doing some dumb stuff, but you're all having fun. And then probably playing at Lake Point for the first time was pretty cool. I mean, it's hot down there, but, I mean, it's one of the most beautiful places to play some baseball. You got, like, the mountains in the background in Georgia. It's it's sick down there. Yeah. Plus, I always better down there. I feel like the radar guns are probably juiced down there a little bit. Well, I mean, you did say, I mean, you hit your pitching PR by two miles an hour down there at Lake yeah. Point, so – first outing out so so if you had to kind of compare the way that you know the sluggers were ran when you play for them compared to five-star national uh like what was the how like how are both of those teams ran and like what did the game to game look like playing for both of those teams so for sluggers uh, our coaches on my age group were both fairly young so we were, we were pretty like loosely coached i'd say i mean they coached us but it was more like we did most of our stuff on our set like on our own did whatever we needed to do we, I mean, we were a talented ball club, I'd say. For, I mean, we were one of the better slugger teams to come through. And, I mean, we, we won some baseball games. We kind of always ran out of pitching towards the back end of tournaments because, you know, some of those teams got, like, 20 arms. I mean, oh, we just – we don't got that. So, And then Five Star was a little bit on our own, but a little more, like, I'd say they're more in touch, like, when it comes to, like, the finer details of coaching and baseball. And it was a lot more, like – like recruiting focus i mean that was like especially since it was my like senior year i feel like they focused a lot more on really trying to get their guys out there when it comes to a recruiting standpoint i'm sure all right so when you did play high school baseball you know playing there at east noble like i said three-time all-conference there you know playing up here in northeast indiana where i mean we have good baseball talent but obviously it's not indianapolis where you know every team i feel like has a power five commit so what does that competition level look like, you know, when you're playing at East Noble, playing in the any any eight, I believe the conference is, playing against NECC, um, Fort Wayne teams as well. Uh, what does that competition level look like? I think it's I think it's underrated, honestly. I mean, you might not have like the flashiest names around where we're at, but a lot of our guys up here, I feel like still got a little bit of that grind effort in them. Like some kids don't really like work as much, but I mean, we got some redneck kids, you know, all squatting 400 pounds in the weight room. I mean, they can take a yard here and there. So I, I think we still got some dudes up here, especially some ones that are underlooked. Yeah. And now I think we're getting some new talent too. I mean, our younger classes around Fort Wayne area are looking good. Yeah. Well, I mean, so this is one thing I, I, I wait, whenever people talk about Fort Wayne baseball, I bring this up. So starting next year. So after the 2023 class has graduated, Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana will yeah. have the number one player in the state for the class of 24, 25 and 27 so three out of the ten, yeah. three out of the four classes here in indiana are going to the number one player is going to be from fort wayne plus i mean there's a couple other guys scattered across this uh, across the city in terms of you know landon fry 
Obviously, I'm sure you know Landon, a couple other guys you wouldn't know. Oh, uh, and then Braden Thomas, obviously, the guy who's projected to be hopefully be a first round pick there in 2024. Uh, Brandon Logan as well. Um, so like you said, I mean, Fort Wayne's definitely underrated, and I'm excited to see these next couple of years when it comes to Fort Wayne high school baseball. Uh, but let's dig into, you know, your arm care situation a little bit. I know you dug into it a little bit there when it came to fall ball and kind of what Coach Glant um kind of wants you guys doing. Uh, but just take us through, you know, what the offseason looks like when it comes to, you know, potentially deloading and then ramping back up for the springtime. What exactly does that look like for you? So I'm actually not even going to deload. I'm just going straight shot into the spring right now. Just because I start, I ramped up like a month later than everyone else anyway. So I'm kind of on a good trajectory just to keep going. But I mean, a lot of the arm care stuff we do is just kind of strengthen all those small muscles that you don't really think about as much, like especially with like the internal and external parts of your shoulder and strengthening those, which has helped me a lot, especially because, I mean, my shoulders were pretty weak. I never really did any shoulder stuff when it came to lifting or anything. And then a lot of mobility has kind of like been a big focus of mine, just kind of unlocking my body, just being able to move better, especially on the mound. That's been one thing that's really helped me not just throw harder, but like throw harder, easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so let's say you're a scout watching your game. You're watching yourself on the mound. You're watching yourself in the dugout. If you were writing up one of those scouting reports on Braden Reisdorf, what would that look like? I would say a power pitcher. I mean, I go at it, go at anyone. I don't care who it is. I'm going to go at them, especially with the fastball. And I like to attack anyone I can. So I definitely just call myself a power pitcher. Not definitely – not really much of a finesse guy. I don't have any, like – my changeup's not perfect. We're getting there, though. It's been looking better. And just attacking guys with fastball sliders and just going at anyone. Okay, so when you say power pitcher, what does that look like for your pitching repertoire? Obviously, you're throwing a night. Like you said, you've topped out at 96 before when it comes to the fastball. Um, you got that changeup. Just overall, what does that pitching repertoire look like? And kind of dig through each of those pitches a little bit. Uh, So right now, I'm throwing sinker, slider, and change. And the occasional four seam, trying to kind of bring it back from the dead right now. And so the sinker, I mean, probably my favorite pitch now. I mean, having a fastball that moves is a lot better than just having a really fast fastball that doesn't do a whole lot, especially because you can get some you can get some ugly swings on it. And that's I mean, that's the most fun thing ever is when you throw a sinker in on a righty's hands and basically hit it off their hands as they're swinging. And then the slider, I've always loved the slider just because you're still able to, like, throw it as hard as you can, rip it and get some crazy swings through that, too. It's definitely my favorite off-speed pitch, I'd say. And then my changeup, when it's working, would be my favorite if I could throw it as well as I wanted to every time. But we're still getting comfortable with that. But, I mean, changeup's the best pitch in baseball. So once you get that locked in, it's makes baseball really fun for you. Yeah. So are you pretty dead set with the repertoire that you have right now? Or are you trying to work on, you know, potentially adding another pitch? Or where exactly are you at on that? Uh, I mean – something down the line find another opening for something else and like good time to add another pitch in I mean I'm definitely willing to do that so when when it does come time for you to add another pitch or even just looking back on the pitches that you've added here in the the past uh like Mm -hmm. what is that whole process of adding a new pitch like how do you kind of go about it I know you said coach Glant wanted you to add I can't remember what exactly it was this past fall but we've talked about it before um Mm -hmm. just what does that whole process look like when you are trying to add a new pitch I mean, it's just getting comfortable with it, I would say, is the first part. Doing a lot of catch play with it, kind of throwing maybe some flat ground type stuff. I, I like the long toss a little bit with, like, my pitches I'm working on. 
So just kind of maybe getting a little past your 90 feet and or 60 feet and then throwing it a little bit, especially my changeup. That's kind of what helped me with my changeup a lot was long tossing with that. Just kind of, you get a better feel for it, I would say, and kind of work on the control a lot better. Yeah. So, I mean, really it's more of just a comfortable thing because using a new pitch isn't the easiest thing at first. It just doesn't feel right. and It's not going where you want it to. Sometimes it'll move, sometimes it won't. You just got to gotta get comfortable with it. Yeah. So what are, obviously you talk about it there, you know, just digging it, getting better at some of those pitches, getting a better change up, you know, maybe bringing that fastball, you know, back from the dead is what you said at four seam. Uh, but what are some of those, just the, some of the biggest, if you could list, you know, maybe one, two, even three things that you're wanting to work on, what would be some of those biggest things that you're trying to continue, continuously evolve here these next couple of months um, as you head into your freshman spring? Uh Single leg strength, like single leg stability. That's a big thing I need to work on. Keep keep getting that strong. Mobility, never have too much mobility. Never hurts to move better is one thing I've learned, especially in these last couple of years. And then, honestly, just fine-tuning every pitch because, I mean, every single one of my pitches can still get better, and there's always room for improvement on every single thing of that. So just want to keep grinding those out and making them better every day. Yeah. So when you say it never hurts to move better, are you talking about more of an athlete or are you talking more of like, like having different pitches that move? Uh, as an athlete. So like, it's like mobility. I mean, I didn't even know like mobility was a thing like a year and a half ago. I mean, I was stiff as a board trying to pitch down the mound. Like it's honestly a wonder how I threw even upper eighties to low nineties moving the way I did. I mean, it must've just been pure arm strength or something because I looking back on it, it like it just, doesn't even look fun to watch but once I started you know learning some mobility kind of getting my hips loosened up my t-spine loosened up I mean it makes the game so much easier and a lot less taxing on your body too yeah so how did so what was that transition of you know getting a little bit more mobile uh, mobile on your feet you know becoming more of an athlete I know you said you know coach virtue takes you through some hell when it came to come through uh, comes to, you know, trying to get more mobile, trying to be more of an athlete, you know, maybe do some conditioning. What did that whole transition process kind of look like? I mean, so when I first kind of like started doing mobility, it was just like some hip 90 90s was like the first thing I did. And that was because uh, ADP actually, Aiden Decker Petty was the one who helped me out on that when I played for five star. And then, so I started doing that, helped me a little bit and then kind of just learned more and more through like my advisor, Ben, or other coaches that I had. So started doing it basically every day before every lift, after lifting, just, I mean, you can never do it too much. So, yeah. So looking back into your entire career so far, you know, so playing underneath Coach Mercer, learning from Coach Glant every day, being there with the five-star national coaches, being there with the sluggers coaches. Um, if you could pick two to three people who have, you know, who have been the most influential within your baseball career, who would those people be? And like, what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? So I'd say the first one would be my grandpa. I mean, he's the reason I had the love for the game that I do. I mean, growing up, we'd always go to baseball games. We'd watch my brother's college games. I mean, he was always at every game. So, I mean, he's definitely one of the main reasons that I just grew up loving the sport. We'd go to the Detroit Tigers games all the time, back when they could win baseball games. So he's definitely a big part of my baseball career. And then for the other one, I'd probably say my my parents, both of them, just because, I mean, they're the ones take me to every – place to go do all this stuff so that's always a big help and you can never thank them enough yeah so you talk about going to tigers games with your grandpa 
So you're a Tigers fan. I know you've talked about that. You were talking about it yesterday about how there's no reason you could be a bandwagon fan because the Tigers aren't very good. Uh, but where did that whole Detroit Tigers fandom come from? Obviously, when you're here in, in northern Indiana, I mean, you don't really have a team that's like super close. So everyone chooses between, you know, the Reds, Cubs, Tigers, White Sox. Like, so what was the reasoning for choosing the Detroit Tigers? Yeah, so my grandpa actually uh, was born and raised in Michigan. So we kind of grew up Michigan and Detroit everything. So that's kind of where it came from. Okay. Well, I mean, being Detroit everything right now at this point seems like it might be not the best considering. I mean, the Lions are doing better this year, but I mean, I feel like the Pistons still aren't very good. And Tigers, oh. I feel like the Tigers have a long way to go before, you know, they in their rebuilding process. Yeah, basically, it's just a lot of first round picks. Know, top three picks in every 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 sport so yeah which I mean you guys for at first but I mean hell I mean they might not be working out shoot uh but no uh so let's dig into NIL a little bit um so you have been connected with a couple different companies you know you go through your Instagram I see posts with brain fuel rice supplements there for a while as well um just take us through you know what NIL has been like for you so far and some of the different companies that you've worked for I mean it's definitely crazy because I mean this is still a very new thing and still kind of learning how all of it works, but brain fuel is definitely one of the better ones that I got into. I mean, energy drinks as a pitcher. I mean, it's like pretty common, you know, I mean, every pitcher pretty much is slamming energy drinks at some point during their lifting or going to pitch. So that was a drinking their stuff. I mean, it gets you fired up, gets you ready to go and you don't have to worry about that crappy crash afterwards, which was always nice. Yeah. And then, Card stock exchange, that stuff was pretty cool because they would make cards for you, get to sign them, get your own customized cards. Those were always awesome. But always one who doesn't want their own baseball card too. And that's awesome. So another another cool NIL thing that you got to do is obviously something we're working on this week, Summit City Baseball Academy. Oh. So day one yesterday, you know, we posted that little, you know, 30, 40 second clip there on the Instagram. Uh, but just take us yeah. through what, you know, day one was like, maybe some different things you're looking forward to, you know, heading to day two, day three, day four. Uh, just, you know, just take us through this whole experience so far. Yeah, I mean, day one was awesome. You got to work with all these kids. Everyone's having fun. I was actually told that I was the most fun station, too. So that was always a that was a big win for me. But I mean, just getting kids kind of passing on the knowledge that I've learned growing up. I mean, it's just kind of nice to do because, I mean, I would have wished they had some more of that knowledge back when I was younger because that stuff can take you a long way in the baseball world. Yeah. So, I mean, the there's two different sessions when it comes to the Summit City Baseball Academy. There's a middle school, high school. Uh, yesterday and today is going to be middle school. Uh, so what like what is going to be some of the big changes you go through when it comes to, you know, going from that middle school session where the kids, you know, some of the kids are paying attention. Some of them, some of them are kind of just there because their parents signed them up and want them to be away from the house for a couple of hours. Uh, so what are some, what's that biggest transition you're looking forward to of, you know, going and actually working with some of the high school guys who are potentially, you know, a little bit more involved. Yeah. So the high school stuff will be fun because then you can kind of, especially since it was uh, three people to a group will help out because then you get a little more time, get to actually do a little more fine tuning type stuff and kind of actually get into the nitty gritty of mechanics and how, how to move down the mound will be a lot more fun. Instead of just chucking med balls at a wall is what they see. <laughs> see it. All right. 
All right. So down to my last, you know, last four or five questions. I call it the rapid fire. Uh, just the last questions I pretty much ask everybody here on the podcast. Uh, so question number one, uh, like let's dig away from the baseball field a little bit. So when you aren't playing baseball, I know you've mentioned fishing and a couple other, you know, outdoorsy type of activities. Uh, but what are some of your passions beyond the game of baseball? Uh, I'd say just lifting with my friends. I mean, you can never, it's always good, you know, get with, with your buddies, go to the gym, just kind of get a good workout in. And then some ice fishing is what I'm looking forward to in this next couple of weeks. That'll be fun. Getting on the ice again will be, be nice. Some away from baseball too. Be, be pretty relaxing. Yeah. So is it cold enough to go ice fishing yet? Like, has it has the lake frozen over quite a bit or like, are you still need to wait a little bit? After the, after that couple of days, that storm that we got, there's a good amount of ice over where we're at. So okay, probably so get on. What were you saying? You cut out. Probably get, get on there next few days here. All right. So when you head back to Bloomington, like, is there, is like Lake Monroe, is that going to be cold enough or can you ice fish when you're down South a little bit? I'm not sure. I'll have to, I'll have to check with Josh on that. <laughs> So besides, you know, going ice fishing, uh, you know, going, uh, just doing some outdoorsy stuff, you know, listening with some of your friends there, I'm assuming at the YMCA, like you used to, uh, what are some of your favorite things to do, you know, while you're back home here in Fort Wayne or in just the Northeast Indiana area? Uh, just what are some cool things that you like to do when you're back home? I mean, other than that, just kind of relaxing, hanging out with your buddies. I mean, just kind of getting a good cool down from being at school and then working out every day and then doing school usually there's not as much time afterwards but now you can just in the morning get your stuff done that you need to get done and then just kind of hang out the rest of the day yeah so when it comes to you know some of the motivations that you have well you know whether that's you know for your career outside of baseball for your career within the game of baseball well where does this motivation come from so like what is it exactly that you know just get you up every morning to go go get better one percent better is what a lot of people like to say uh just where does some of that motivations come from i mean i think at this rate it's just because it's routine I mean, there's days, I mean, everyone's got days you wake up, you're like, man, do, do I really want to go to the gym today? And you're like, well, I mean, got to go to the gym today. It's just not really an option at this rate for me. It's just kind of built in. Because if I don't go to the gym one day, I just you feel like crap. Yeah. So taking that question just a little bit further, what does the perfect picture of your life look like here in 20 years from now? So everything, everything's continues to go right. You keep using those motivations, those routines just to keep getting better. What does that perfect picture of your life look like? Everything's doing right here in 20 years. Well, I mean, if I have a good enough amount of money, hopefully get a nice house, maybe in like Tennessee somewhere. <coughs> Excuse me. Get a, I want some land. That's definitely one of the big things. I want to have a little bit of land, maybe a little pond back there. Something to do. Yeah. Something I mean, outdoors. Yeah. I mean, with me being in the country, just like yourself, I mean, I always love, you know, that's, that's my dream as well. You know, it, whether, you know, I moved to, you know, Indianapolis, Texas, Atlanta, whatever it happens to be, you know, that's what I like. That's one of my big goals as well as, you know, having just a, a little bit of land that way, you know, you're not like I was, I went to one of my buddy's house in Boston uh, just, you know, over the summer and we're driving by and every house is literally all stacked on top of each other. And I'm thinking this whole time, I'm like, like, how can you, like you can't even go outside and, and pee in a pee on a tree outside because I mean your neighbor's gonna be watching you. That that literally that might like that literally went through my head. I was like, how do you go outside and pee because your neighbor's probably outside just watching you? I mean because you you have no room between between houses. 
Uh, but no, that's that like, no, definitely land. That's something that one of the biggest, I think, underrated things that a lot of people don't look into, you know, just having like, you know, that privacy. I mean, I think Yellowstone's maybe brought the, I'm sure you've watched the TV. So Yellowstone oh, yeah. a little bit, I'm sure that's brought out some of the, some of that into people, you know, maybe, Oh, maybe country, maybe, you know, living in the countries, you know, what a lot, some people would like, uh, but no, that's definitely, you know, a, a, an underrated thing that a lot of people don't look into. Um, people can get what was that? That's the most peaceful it can get is being out there. Of course. All right. So down to the last two questions. So All right. going through your cell phone, what is the coolest contact that you have in your phone right now? Man, I don't know how I definitely don't got anyone too famous. That's for sure. Um, That's a good question. I don't even know half the contacts on my phone, if I'm being honest. I'd probably just have to say, like, probably my dad, honestly. He's the coolest guy I know. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't definitely well, I don't mean, got any professional guys in there, so. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of times when I ask people, I mean, they'll say, oh, well, my head baseball coach. So, like, Coach, you know, Mercer, uh, Van Horn, or whatever the head coach is, you know, at different schools. Right. I mean, I mean, that's a cool phone number I'd like to have, personally, you know, especially with me trying to be an agent. Shoot. Uh, but. Right. <laughs> um down to the down to the final question this is one question i like to end off every podcast with with every athlete i get on um so now that you do have the opportunity to capitalize off your name image and likeness what would be one dream brand that you would love to endorse one day it's got to be lululemon if i'm being honest i mean you can't get better shorts better pants than anywhere other than lulu pants so i mean Having that would be awesome, especially for lifting. Lifting in a pair of Lulu shorts is probably the best thing in the world. Okay. So is there a Lululemon store close by? Because, I mean, I know I say this a lot, and my listeners probably are like, why is this guy saying this again? But I get Lululemon is my most is, – is the – I don't know how to say this – is the biggest answer I get when it comes to that question. Like, I mean, I'm the sure best. there's like 40 people who have said Lululemon on the podcast. <laughs> doesn't surprise me, man. It's it's the best athletic gear when it comes to material and everything. But the closest one to us, it would be uh, the one in, there's one in Carmel. Oh yeah. Yeah. The fashion, the, the fashion mall where the Apple store is at the, the one Apple store we have here in the state. Um, yeah. at that mall too. So yeah, I've, I've, I remember seeing that store now I had to think about it, but, um, but no, that's, that's all the questions I got here on the JKR podcast. Super pumped to finally get you on the show to start out this Hoosier baseball series we're doing, hopefully getting you, uh, might reach out to Josh Pine, Brock Tibbetts as well. Foley going to come on, uh, hopefully ADP your boy, uh, hopefully get a couple other guys here on from the Indiana Hoosiers as well. As we go into, you know, 2023, where you said, hopefully you guys are making it to Omaha, you know, with me, you know, being there at Indiana, I'm hoping that's the, I hope I'm hoping that comes true. Go watch some dominating baseball this spring. Uh, but no, like I said, just thanks for coming on the show. Um, I know I, we'll see each other here in like three hours, but I always like to say, you know, best of luck when it comes to, you know, the rest of your career at IU um, when you go play pro ball here in a couple of years as well. Just best of luck there. And thanks for coming on the JKR podcast. Thank you for having me, man.